Father, what a privilege it is to stand with my friend and my brother, God, having walked through so much together. And, oh Lord, just hearing how you're working in their lives. Father, we bring the Hotsons before you. We thank you for this precious family and all that they have sown and invested into this community, God. Thank you that they, as they go, they carry our hearts with them, Father, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just come and speak through them this morning and stir our hearts to respond to you in obedience, Lord God, even as they are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, my brother. Hello, guys. I think it's remarkable when um, someone stands up and speaks in another language, so well done. I really sincerely, I, th I think of having to try and do this in Afrikaans and um, just hat off. Give it a go. I don't think it will bless anybody if I do. Um, and also, as I, as I watch that silent thing this morning, I really am stirred just with, the, with our God who so beautifully puts different gifts into the body. It's, it's a marvel for me how... He makes some people just so passionate about certain things and someone else passionate about something else and someone else doing this. And, and it's just so, it's so unique and it just it stirs my heart. I just love our God. Don't you? Don't you love that we aren't just cookie cutters of the same, the same little one cookie cutter that God's got and he just like had a production line like this, you know, and just like sat there just making cookie cutters. So grateful that there's so much color and diversity and, and difference in the way that God has made us. So um, I haven't preached for ages, so just be aware. Uh, <laughs> this morning, I'm actually not going to preach. It's quite an unusual morning for us. So we're going to, um, just chatting with our elders, we just felt there was a moment in, hello you guys, welcome home. So good to have you back. Um, but we just felt there was a moment where in our journey, just as God's been taking Kate and I as a family um, through some pretty crazy things, some of you have been part of that story and tracking quite closely. Some of you I've, I've never met, so you'll just have to endure. Um, but we felt like there's a moment for us as a congregation to really, as we share our story, just to let it splash over onto you, actually, and just ask the question, what is God calling you to have faith for? What is it that God might be saying to you? And again, just like I've been saying about how different God made us, it's not cookie cutter. It's not all of us move to the UK or all of us need a church or all of us do this. It's different. But God is calling each and every single one of us to be part of kingdom endeavors that do require faith. And so the question that I'm kind of leading with this morning is just what is that faith? What is it that God's calling you to do? And actually, when you stop and think, what we're doing this morning is, is testimony. You know, we do two testimony Sundays, usually a year. It's some of our highlights. And all you're actually doing is just going, hey, I saw whatever it might be. So let's think of a, a car crash, right? And the testimony of the person gets up in court. And what do they do? They say, this is what I saw. That's literally all it is. This is what happened. I was there. This is what I experienced. This is what I saw. And so this morning, we just want to testify to the greatness of God in the process. And it just literally feels like we're almost, even though it's us and it's been so um, intimate and personal to, to our family and we've gone through the, the highs and the lows of it, actually what we're doing is just going, this is what we've seen. This is what God has done. And that's what we want to hold high. So um, in March this year, we announced here in this building that we were going to the UK as a family. We felt God calling us there. And I was just listening to the sermon again this week and just marveling at how far God has brought us and also concerned with how much still needs to be 
figured out. It was like those two emotions. But we started off with just speaking about God's call. And that's where it all began for us last year, October. And then how we weighed the call. And you can go and find this. There's those stuff in there about how to just helpfully hear God. How, what do you do when God starts to speak in dramatic ways? Well, you go to some people who love and follow Jesus and will pray with you. And you ask them to, to help. That's weighing the call. It's, it's asking for help. And then somewhere along the way, you say yes. That felt for us like our March moment. It was, it was a big day when we stood here, and it, it had been real in our hearts for some months already. But when we stood and told you, it was really real, right? Like, there's, there's no going back. There's no, like, next week, hey, guys, last week we misspoke. Sorry. You know, it's done. Line in the sand kind of moment. You communicate the call. And so that's what we communicated with you last time. And I just want to remind you why are we going, because I think especially as South Africans, we've just... We've all seen so many immigrants leave our country for good reasons, for bad reasons, for lots of reasons. And I just want to remind you that we're not doing that. We're not immigrating. We feel like God is calling us. The, the scriptures that he birthed in our hearts around the UK are so well known. But Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. This is Jesus. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his field. And I grew up in a church where we often spoke about the world being the problem. The harvest, that's the problem. And part of, of God's changing in our hearts is saying, no, 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 no. The harvest is plentiful. The fields, another version says, are white unto harvest. What does the scripture say the problem is? It's the laborers. It's people unwilling to go, unwilling to say yes. And we really do get it. We, we really get it. But this is, where, this is the why. And our hearts have been stirred by saying, God, as we go into the UK, it's a, it's a place where there's evidence of, I mean, it's everywhere in the world. But specifically for us, we feel like God is calling us to a place where we, we look and it feels like harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. People who haven't heard the name of Jesus. It's an emerging unreached people group. They don't hear them in school. They don't have it on TV. They're not allowed to. They don't go to churches. So where do you hear about Jesus? And God is going to send back from the roots of Africa, where people laid down their lives and their children's lives and sent from America and Europe and Germany, and that isn't Europe, and the UK, which is no longer, is it part of, yes it is, but Brexit, but that, God's going to send back. That's our belief, that God's going to actually send Africans, those of us born and bred in this land, back into Western countries who are desperately asking questions. Another key text for us has been Romans 10. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach Unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And so that's just some of the where we're at and the why. And we, we spoke through that last time, but I just wanted to remind you. And then since then, Natasha, if you'll start throwing a few photos up for me. So I've been in Stellenbosch too long. When you start using words like throwing up photos, it's a... <laughs> um, since then, we've done two trips to the UK. Um, There'll be some, this is my boy and I having our very first coffee, which you need to have, um, in Bristol. That's at one of the Lego fairs 
and just, I mean, look at that massive, I mean, that, you have to go there, right? That's Anfield. If you go to the next one, that's right where Klopp does his, I mean, this is not gospel, but that's where Klopp does his, his things, right? For a massive Liverpool fan, this is a big deal. You can go to the next one. That's Bill Shankly again, not important, except if you're a Liverpool fan. And just keep rotating for me. This is a massive conference that I went to, so I'll, I'll give you a little bit more context on that. Those are some people in the city of Bristol. Daniel, part of a little team playing football. Kate's going to speak to that just now. And you can kind of watch as our family are walking through the, the streets of um, Bristol there. And in, in this process, we've done two trips over, trying to get clarity, trying to hear God on where to go. In the meantime, Gareth and Nadine have been um, not ordained officially yet, but they're coming to lead this church. That's all been settled. That was all unsettled when we shared it in March. We didn't know who was going to come. There's been loads of, of angst and uncertainty in us as a family and in our hearts. We, you know us, guys. We want to be real with you. We don't want to pretend it's some easy, happy-go-lucky thing when God calls you. It's hard. It's difficult. It's going to be next weekend. There's going to be snotentrana for us. It's going to be a hard weekend. Um, and the long and short of all of that is that we feel like God, and we can tell you more of the story, but if you go to the next, the two maps for me, we feel like God is calling us right over there to Bristol, top left, if you don't know where it is. There's London for your orientation. And just over that, that's, that's the River Severn. And just over on the other side of Bristol is Wales. So you're right on the edge. Will you do the one attached that's just a little bit more zoomed out? I think I put one in there. That was like a, yes, that, that one, the one that's further zoomed out. There we go. So you can see Bristol over there, kind of center, slightly lower down, and you get a picture of, of where it is in the UK. And in Bristol, we're going to be joining a church called City Church. It's a multi-site church. The guy that's actually leading it is, I asked him for a video this week. I'll play it for you in a minute. But why don't you just scroll to those pictures of the, of the churches that we went to on the Sunday morning. That's not it. That's not it. That's it. That's one of their sites, a place called Bradley Stoke. You keep going. And looks quite like our signage, actually. looks like a very similar font. Um, and this is the building that probably the site that we all join is this one. It's incredible. Imagine worshipping in this building. I don't, have a, I don't think I have a picture from inside because I had a video, but it wouldn't play. But it's remarkable. You go into these beautiful old cathedrals and there's people worshipping Jesus. I had a video of them just singing, it's your breath in our lungs, which we sing so often, right? And you, you go across the world and they're singing the same songs, worshipping Jesus. It's just so similar, but so so different. And our timeline was also so up in the air and we had no idea. We are officially flying out on the 16th of Jan, so we'll be leading you until the end of December. Gareth and Nadine will be here um, in the beginning, no, in the middle of December. They'll be here and they'll be taking over from the 1st of January in an official sense. But actually, in a more realistic sense, we're already beginning to pass the baton. They're already beginning to meet with elders and staff and all these things. And it's just a wonderful um, transitioning space. So here's Andy. He's the guy who leads the church in Bristol, the guys we're going to, just to tell you a little bit um, about their church. Hi everyone, greetings from City Church here in Bristol. Just want to give you a bit of a background to City Church. It's about 30 years old now, coming up to 30 years since the church was planted. Um, Bristol is a city on the uh, west coast of the United Kingdom. And it's a, a city with a long, long history. It's a port. Uh, very sadly, it was involved in the slave trade. Um, but it's also a city that's full of life and energy right now. So uh, Bristol has two universities. It has teaching and training hospitals. It is uh, a center for industry. We build airplanes here. And uh, Rolls-Royce has a headquarters 
here as well. It's a vibrant city full of life and full of energy. Uh, City Church, as I say, is about 30 years old. Uh, currently, we have three congregations across the city, and our vision really is to reach the whole of Bristol. And Bristol is a city of, of over half a million people, so that's a considerable uh, task and challenge. But we want to do that by planting congregations across the city into the different um, communities around the city. It's also a city that's growing fast. Uh, so houses are being built here at a rate of knots, and uh, that means that we need to reach into those new uh, areas to uh, to share the gospel of Jesus. Um, we're also a, a church which is passionate for those for whom life is difficult. Uh, we have our share of homelessness uh, here in Bristol, and we have a, a considerable ministry to those folk uh, throughout the city and beyond. Uh, so we're looking to share our faith, to help Bristol believe in Jesus. Uh, and uh, in the last weeks and months, a number of folk have got saved and we're baptising uh, fairly regularly at the moment. And so that's exciting too. Um, so that gives you a bit of a background for us and for the city. Uh, it's a great place to live. People love living in Bristol and uh, we're excited for all that God has in the future uh, for us here. There we go. At least the sound worked, otherwise that would have been very dull. <laughs> okay, so the way that we're going to frame this this morning is that we want, to, we want to share four things with you that God has taught us in this process um, or deeply reminded us of in the process in our journey so far. And then in each of those things, we're just going to tell you a few stories of, of how God did that. So very simple. Um, the first one that I'm going to speak into is trust God that he knows your real needs. So any of you just keep framing this through God. Would you speak to me? Would you call me? Would you give me faith for the things that you are calling me to? And in this process, I'm telling you, one of the things you're going to need to know is that you need to know that God knows your real needs versus your felt needs. Right? So in this process as a family, we've realized that our felt needs and what God knows we need are different things. And we hadn't realized that quite to the extent that we have in this process. Your felt needs are what you desperately need in the moment, what, you, what it feels like, what your emotions are telling you you need to figure out, and it doesn't seem to be what God's all that interested in, in the process. Um, it seems like God is far more interested in forming you, in addressing you, in correcting you, in, in probing areas where faith is lacking, and kind of highlighting things in your life. Again, I just want to say this has been our journey. It's not everyone's journey. Some people have huge clarity of where they're going to. Wonderful. Praise God. Slightly envious, but wonderful. But God's call to Abraham has felt like it's resonated with us as a family in our hearts, where God says, leave your country. Leave your people. Leave your father's household. And go to the land I will show you. And it feels like you say yes to God, and you kind of expect, <laughs> you kind of expect, like, okay, God, I've said yes, now you show me. Now, this is how it works. It's transactional, right? We, we, we told the church, God. We got up and we, we drew a line in the sand, God. We, we, we don't have a job anymore, God, in a few months' time. Like, now you tell us where we're supposed to go, God. And, and God is God. And so he kind of says, like he does to Abraham, listen, you leave, you do this, and then I'm going to show you somewhere. 
I'll show you on the way. You'll figure it out. I mean, it's just wonderful when you read Scripture with these eyes and you realize, like, it's so easy to look at Abraham and think, oh, yay, what a nice call. I hope I have a call. And then it happens to you and you're like, oh, this is hard. Right? It's been really tough to go to the UK with so much expectation in our hearts, like thinking that we'd come back and sit down with our friends and say, and God did this, and God did this, and God told us this, and it was so clear, yay! And to come home without clarity has been disappointing. It's been hard. To come back and, and have many of you with, with brilliant, well-meaning questions, right? Well, where are you going? What are you going to do? How are you going to support your family? <laughs> Difficult, Right? Our experience in this journey has been that it's not so much what we should do that God is interested in as much as what God is doing in us, forming in us. And here's the headline, which really is a deep truth, but God doesn't need you. Like really, there's no part of God which woke up this morning, you didn't even wake up, but who, who, when you woke up this morning, who thought... You know what I need Paul and Kate for? Something I can't do. Right? It's not, God doesn't have that side of him. God can do everything. So then you have to ask the question, well, why does he say to Paul and Kate or any of you, do this or do that? Because he longs to partner with us. He loves to partner with us. That's what God wants to do. What a privilege, right? Three stories that really highlight this, this point for us. Trust God that he knows your real needs. The first one I'll share, the second Two, I think Kate will share. There's a story. Um, I was in. I was flying over to the UK, but before that, there was an advanced leaders' time. And leaders from around the world came together. And in the morning, I, I was there at this conference type thing. It was about a hundred of us. There was an evening of prophecy. It was incredible. I was like, God, this has to be the moment, right? There's like an hour of prophecy. Prophesy, I'm here. <laughs> Tell me, you know. The guys forgot to pray for us. They literally forgot to pray. They were praying for church planters, and they forgot. Like, it was crazy, this thing. And the next morning, I was like walking on the beach, and I was like, God, why are you not saying stuff? And I had this, just, this imprint in my mind. It's the way God speaks to me a lot with pictures. I had a picture of, you know, tomato sauce spaghetti in a can, right? You all know that stuff, that's, that spaghetti that you get in a can. Those of you shaking your heads, you grew up too privileged. <laughs> way too privileged. Brown toast and spaghetti. I had a picture of one, that can being opened and slopped onto a plate. And I was like, that's it, God. That's our process. That's what our process feels like. It just feels like a, like a of spaghetti on a plate with tomato sauce everywhere, right? And then I said to the Lord, oh, Lord, thank you that you're going to take all the spaghetti and, and sort it out. And it's going to be so neat. And it's going to be so like, you know, OCD kicking in. It was like, this is what my thought was. And then in that moment, I just felt like the Holy Spirit begin to minister to me and say, that spaghetti is not for sorting out. It's for your nourishment. You're supposed to eat it. It's supposed to feed you. It's supposed to build something inside of you as a family. It's supposed to be this mess on this plate. This is me, is what it felt like God was saying. The chaos, the deep lack of clarity that you're fighting for. Stop fighting for it. It's not, I don't want to give it to you. You need to eat this moment. You need to eat this experience because it's making you strong. It's to feed your body. Why don't you come and... Just share a little bit about some other stories that have... Is this helpful? You're very, you're very quiet, so I hope it is. You guys know, I'm, I mean, Christy's next level, like needing response, right? I love it. Come up here. Come. But I also need some. Some water. 
I no. bought this one, so I didn't have to tip it into my face. Good morning. Am I on? Yeah. Am I on? Yes. So I'm wonderfully quiet up here. Um, so one of the most obviously the real aspects of, of leaving is, is your is friendships and more so than our own friendships is is those friendships of, of our children and you look at your children and you think they've they've made these wonderful friends and like god the need actually is for you to delay this move um, because my kids have friends <laughs> and um, that was a really that was a difficult thing to to come to terms with um, but then on Paul's trip with Daniel, it felt like we were sending Daniel as like a representative of, of our kids. Um, and I was at home praying that, that he would find friends. And um, so within, I think, a few minutes of being at this conference, he'd been thrust into this group of, of boys. Um, and they'd formed a five-a-side, it was boys and girls, huh? five-a-side football team. And um, there were about 30 of them under 14, was it under 14s? Um, although apparently there were some questionable 16-year-olds playing as well. Um, and so I was following the progress of this little football team over the, over the few days that they were there. And um, they were getting further and further. And I was like, God, can't you just make them win? Like, I, you know, just because football is Daniel's tool of in life like he meets people he makes friends he and many of you in this room will be able to identify and um he they ended up winning and daniel who is a goalie by preference saved the goal that won them the match and i was like you know and even in saying it right now i feel this could just be a story but that moment for me following that process was like god saying i've got them I can give him friends. I can give him joy in the, the very thing that he loves the most in two days. I've got this. Do you want me to share the next one as well? Um, okay, so another, another need that we didn't know that we had yet was, um, uh, well, essentially what happened was we, would, we, would, we went to the UK and we were going around all these different places. It felt like we were on some kind of computer game mission to collect little jewels everywhere. And, you know, in my mind, I was like, okay, well, we're going to level up just now. It's going to be, bing, I've told you where to go. <laughs> and it kind of wasn't really happening. We'd go places and we'd, we'd like, you know, you kind of go and you think it could be, could this be the place? And you're kind of looking at it through your eyes of, and you're trying to be like, you know, Jesus, I surrender. But could this be the place? And um, it just wasn't. And everywhere we went, there was such there were legitimate reasons why it just wasn't going to work. And um, after a lot of this, you know, when you stand up here, things get sanitized, right? So <laughs> there was a lot of other emotion happening. Um, but I, we were lying in bed um, one night, and I was so I was feeling just so deflated. And I think that's one of the few nights in this process that I've actually cried myself to sleep. And I just said to Paul, like, are you sure God's in it? Because it feels like he left. It feels like he's not, it, it feels like there's, it's not here that, that we're supposed to be. Um, should we just, can we say, <laughs> can we go back? <laughs> and um, Paul being Paul, his wonderful gift of faith was like, no, he's, he's got this. We're all right. So went to sleep. 
And I woke up a few hours later with Paul thrusting a phone in my face. Like, you know, when you're underslept and you're sort of a bit puffy from the tears, it's not the way you want to wake up. Look, look, look at this, look at this. I'm like, what, what? Take it further, I'm 40, I can't see it there. <laughs> and like looking at his, his bank app is open and there's like this number with, a, 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 well, there's a great number of numbers all in a row. And he's like, someone has given us an anonymous donation of a lot and um, <laughs> he just said to me do you still think God's not in it <laughs> and so obviously in that moment for, it felt like in that moment it was it was God saying like I know where you are I know where you are emotionally I've got you um, and also I think for me more it was somebody else there was at least one other person on the planet who felt that this was of God <laughs> And sufficient enough to give such an incredible donation, like off, offering gift. Um, but then, it, as as the time went on, it, it, we realised that that money is literally has, has meant that we can apply for the visa because you have to have a certain amount of money in the account to to prove that you're financially stable. Um, and with the fluctuating rand pound exchange rate, we dipped below that, and you have to have had it for six months. And so it came in at exactly the right time to mean that we can apply for the visa in November to get it by December to leave in January. Like everything in our flipping lives, it's cutting it fine. But anyway, whatever. Um, but you look back and you were like, we didn't know we had that need then. And it was the perfect time in all the, and like all the threads. God often doesn't just bring one thread and he brings all of them in one, yeah. in one moment. Yeah, and we wanted to share that one because it's not just the stories of like your felt needs, God not meeting them. There's needs that you can't feel because you don't know that they're there yet. And this is one of those where it's the other way around. And the beauty of God knowing that you're going to need that thing in six months. And you're miles away from even having those conversations with visa people and figuring that out. But God is doing it months and months before. And in that moment you go, wow, before we knew, God knew. You know, which is obvious, right? But when you're actually living it, it's, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty great. Um, the next one we want to speak about is trust God in your mistakes and your doubts. I get to do this part because most of the mistakes have been mine. Um, no joke. <laughs> so confession, this process has been so much more clunky, <laughs> accidental, but well-timed. Do you want it? I do, thanks. It's been so much more clunky and mistake-laden than we ever anticipated. Like the spaghetti, right? That, that picture I shared with you. We, we felt like a little bit stronger. So those of you here in the early New Gen days, I didn't log this until a couple of weeks ago, but the, the 12th of November is our farewell. We were welcomed in nine years ago on the 14th of November. So it's to the, it's to the Sunday. I just God does funny things with dates and things sometimes. So... But we felt like, you know, we were quite a lot stronger than when we were there. Those of you who followed us back then, thank you for your grace. Thank you for sticking with us. We thought, well, we've matured a bit. We're better leaders. And we thought, well, that's going to transfer into this process. And we're going to be able to have like a really clean, really strong process. Because now we're like stronger leaders, you know. And um, the shock is that it didn't quite transfer. And as we were going through this process, we began to have these moments where we started to realize, like, this is the first time we're doing this. And we really suck. Like, we, we're not good at this. Like we're making mistakes. You, you're running ahead of God. You, um, a lot of mistakes, really, and a, a lot of doubts that some of them self-caused. And this has meant that along the way we've disappointed people, to be quite honest. 
And that's hard. It's hard when you've disappointed people along the way. It's meant that we've raced ahead of God and said things that we've had to take back. And that's hard. And our pride has been wounded multiple times in this journey. And if any of you are like me, that's really hard. It's really hard. And I think the reason we want to share this with you is that, you know, you can hear us testifying this morning and, and it, it can sound just like, you know, and then God said, and it was clear, and, and, and then God knew this, and it sounds very sanitized, but actually what does this process look like? For us it's looked like a bunch of tears, a lot of difficult moments. It looks like, it's looked like hours and hours of prayer. As a couple individually, it's, it's looked like anxiety and days of emotional swings like I personally have never experienced. I'm not the most emotional person in the whole world. I've been emotional in this process. It's a, it's a, it's a great moment. We've been encouraged and really discouraged. And we felt really overwhelmed in the process. And yet at the same time, we felt this unbelievable peace. Just a ridiculous peace. That peace that, that if the Philippians talks about, that passes all understanding. When everything on the table says you should be panicking, and you're going, are you panicking? Are you panicking? No. And it's just this peace of God. We felt fathered in this time like we've never felt before. Like the hands of God just holding us. Many, many of you would resonate with going through something that you really hope you will never have to go through again. But simultaneously being so grateful that God is taking you through it and you wouldn't trade it for all the tea in China. You wouldn't. It's just this precious moment but you hope you never have to go through it again. It's that kind of feeling and we want you to know that God is is so much bigger than all of it he's so much so much bigger than all of these things you can trust God right in the middle of your mistakes right in the middle of all the stuff you're getting wrong all the doubts you're feeling you trust God he's not expecting us to be faith-filled in every moment we sons we daughters I love Jesus's response to Thomas the doubter right and Thomas says, I won't believe until I see him, until I put my, my finger in, in, his, in the hole in his hands, until, until I see, until I can touch him, I won't believe him. You know, I often think of then Jesus appearing to these disciples, and there's old Thomas, the doubter, standing there. What does Jesus do? I would have rebuked him. Thomas, I've been with you. You've seen miracles. You've seen me raise the dead. You've seen Lazarus. You've seen 5,000 people be fed from a few loaves and breads, and you still doubt? Jesus is so gracious. He says, Thomas, here's my hands. Touch them. Exactly what Thomas asked for. Jesus presents and says, have faith here. Yeah. And it feels like in our process that God has just been so kind in doing those things for us. And I, th I think you probably don't have time. Do you have time to? Would you like to hear one or two of the mistakes you've made? You sure? <laughs> a, couple, a couple, and again, I'm sharing because I think I have made the most of them. Um, one that I think is a really critical one when you're trying to hear God is, is we call it trigger target, or that's the language we've been using. I think God begins to stir something in your heart, and that's a trigger moment, okay? And you think like, we know God's saying something. God is beginning to do something. And then you jump to all sorts of assumptions, which are the target. Because God's moving in your heart, now it's like, oh, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to do. This is where we must go. This is, and you preempt that that's the target. And actually what we found, and then as we've talked to more and more people that have gone through journeys like this, they've gone, oh yeah, that resonates. Yeah, that happened to us too. 
And it's this idea that as God awakens something in your heart, be slow to jump to, oh, that's now the target that we have to hit. Does that make sense? And that's quite a critical um, mistake because when you get that wrong, it can be hurtful, deeply discouraging, etc. And then God's revealed a bunch of, of broken kind of faith ideas in me in particular. Just two of them that would that'll maybe help you as you journey through whatever God's got for you. Um, the, the one first one that was a real brokenness is me that there's there's this idea in me that the harder it is, the more faith I need. Right? Like I, I must go at the hardest thing. Don't just go plant a church. Go plant a church in Ethiopia, you know, among the least reached people. That's real faith. And if you're like a real mature Christian, then that's where you're going to go. No, real faith is hearing what God says to you and doing that. That's what it is. And so that's a huge mistake that, that God has just highlighted in like a chink in my faith. Another one is to put faith in the right place. And this is a little more tricky to explain, but it happened particularly around our children. As I was kind of saying like, God, we'll take our kids into the worst of the worst places. We'll, we're not going to worry about that. We trust you with our children. And actually, I think it's entirely appropriate to have... Kate, thank God for Kate in this process, going, uh, I'm not so sure that that's where we start. So while you keep putting faith on the right side, you keep your ears saying, you keep your heart saying, Lord, we will go anywhere. But actually, it's also perfectly legitimate to really think hard through what does gospel community look like for our family? How do we settle well in the UK? What does planting perhaps in three years look like rather than needing to plant right now because that's the faith thing to do. Does that make sense? And you're still, you're still saying, God, we'll go anywhere and do anything. But it's on the other side. It's not like you're leading with it because it now makes you feel like somehow you're more approved to God because you're prepared to sacrifice it all. You know? Does that make sense? Kate's going to do the third one. Um, okay, so the third one is to trust God to make it clear eventually. Um, God speaks. He does. Um, and he doesn't speak as much as, as sometimes you'd like him to, or as clearly, or audibly would be super helpful. Never experienced that, but looking forward to it. Um, but the, the biggest angst in this process has been waiting for those moments, and waiting for those moments to align together. <laughs> Um, so we, you know, we're quite clear up front, we're moving, we're going to hand over one hope, it all's going really well, we're talking to people and, and no one is saying, no one's flagging anything. Um, and so, like Paul said earlier, that we just, we assumed that the next steps would just come. You kind of almost don't think about it, you just assume. Um, and then, it's you. So just another experience of that, walking around that conference, and something I actually just pulled out of my journal is, it's similar to what we've been saying, but around this area of trusting God to make it clear. I went one night on a walk, um, and it, it was late at night, and I couldn't sleep, and I, I literally started to feel like this desperation in me to like hear God. God, I have to hear you. I have to, I have to get clarity. Like, this is the moment, God, like that kind of thing. It was after they didn't pray, hey? Yeah, it was after they hadn't prayed for us, yeah. You know, <laughs> and I just, I just felt God speak in that moment. Just, I mean, I'm condensing it into a tiny little sentence. But Paul, you do not need to be more desperate for clarity or strategy. You do not need more direction. You don't need what to do. I want you to be more desperate to trust me. And that feels like it's been our experience that God is more interested in forming us than in in 
forming us. But maybe, Han, will you just share some, like where's it been the hardest? Like where's this lack of clarity been the hardest? Um, it's been the most uncomfortable, I would say, in our marriage. Um, we mercifully, by the grace of God, haven't fallen out a great deal over this. Um, and we've had, we, yeah, we're pretty different people. We've had our fair share of, of conflict within our marriage and it hasn't felt like that. It's felt hard um, because I think we were both hearing or feeling like we were hearing different things. And um, my trip in March to predominantly to Wales, the, Paul, Paul first felt the stirrings towards the UK when he was in Wales. And the, the trigger target thing um, that he was speaking about now, we got confused. Well, yeah, in hindsight, it seems that we were confused over the, so that the trigger was in Wales and we assumed that therefore Wales was also the target. Um, and so I, I assumed, I went thinking that we are going to, this is where we're going to be. Um, it, it just, I, everything was planned as if this is, I was looking at properties, I was looking at um, schools. Um, but it just felt, as I was there, it was, it was like God hadn't left, but the, it's almost like, it's so impossible to explain. I feel like I should have been Greek, they've got loads of more words. But they, the, it's like the cloak of the call had just been taken off. It was like, I saw people, they were doing amazing things. These, these are the people in Ethiopia, you know, they're, they're the people in the hard part of the UK where, where there's deprivation. It's, it's, and I, I just marveled at what they were doing and I got so excited to, to think that we could join and then it just felt like God was saying, I'm not giving you the grace for this. Um, and yeah, I think that's as far as I've got in distilling, in distilling the process with, with some hindsight. Um, but then I came home and, and it, was, it was just so difficult for us to understand why Paul felt so called specifically to Wales and I felt like it was England. I felt like these are the people I've been praying for for years and that's where I, I kind of, it's just where it feels like it's right for me. Um, but both of us continually laying it down to each other and, and, and trying to work out how, you know, knowing that it would resolve, but it being desperately uncomfortable in the process. Um, and that made obviously then praying and going to Jesus quite difficult because there was always a, a large, I mean, threat again, wrong word, but there was, there was a large chance that he was going to, to speak very personally to us about our being wrong in our, yeah, in our um, convictions. Um, but yes, we, that was, that yeah. was the hardest. Yeah, and it's, it is a, it's a hugely difficult one because you, we felt like a clarity in our hearts that God is calling us to the UK and then you're not sure where and you're on different pages and you're both going to prayer and you're both really trying to seek God and you're both coming back with different kind of sense. Okay, so I feel like we've done like the Jaws, you know, like Jaws, do you guys watch Jaws? You know, the, the, the music, you know, and it's all like the dramatic music. We've told you all the horrible things. Okay, so I want to tell you some of how God has spoken. And some are just the wonderful, the wonderful other side of the doom, 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 doom music thing, right? <laughs> so, in July, um, this process started in about September last year, so we're almost a year in. We went to on holiday to Morgan's Bay. We were, we were praying into just three cities, and I can't go into the details of how we got to those three. But effectively, we were praying into um, Cardiff, which is in Wales. We were praying into Bristol, which you just saw. And we were praying into a city called Portsmouth, which is in South um, England and on the way there we, we felt like with the chatting with our elders and in all of these conversations we felt like Cardiff was the obvious choice 
that's where we ought to go. And so we just said in the car driving to Morgan's Bay in the Eastern Cape, it's a long drive, just said, look, at the end of this holiday, if we haven't heard God say anything, let's just go to Cardiff. Let's just, that's, can we just make a decision? Because you get such dis- like fatigue from like waiting and, and trying and, and all of these things. And um, one of the mornings that I was there, I went fishing with my, with my two younger boys, so Daniel and Josh. And any of you who know about doing anything with Joshua, it's not the moment that you expect to hear God. It's not like, it's not like the quiet of your, of your, you know, your devotional time or anything like that. And I'm fishing with these two boys and it's in the sea, so there's like waves and you're trying to you know, make sure no one's falling in and everything else. And just right in the middle of this moment, again, I just um, completely not thinking about the UK, like holiday, like just nothing. And I just have this, this picture of a GPS, like with a point A and a point B and all sorts of, of points busy rerouting. You know, like when your GPS shows you all the different options and this one's six minutes longer and that one's whatever it is. And all these different pictures and just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I've got lots of ways to get you there. I've got lots of ways to get you from A to B. And in that moment, it just felt like God took me off. I felt like I was walking on a tightrope. And it's, it's not a sun position, right? You're like, you're walking on a tightrope and you're like, if I fall off here, God's going to be so angry. If I make a misstep, God's going to be so, like, that's, that's my calling gone. And actually, God just in that moment just said, no, 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 no. I'm bigger than that. Like, it was just such a relief. Like, actually, I've got lots of ways to get you there. And so it, it, we, that, that happened. I came back and went up to an advanced conference in the beginning of August. And to be honest, I had really low expectations. I'd just been to like a few conferences that year, and each of them I was going in like, whoo, you know, ready for God to speak, and then yeah, just I think like. Each, each conference that we went to, we were like, okay, this is it. This, this is, is it. it. And then like uh, yeah. the next one, this is it. This is it. <laughs> and after a few of those, you're just like, no, this isn't it anymore. No, we did, it didn't so, even occur to us. Yeah, it was just like a thing we weird. had to do to get out the diary. <laughs> And we started just actually, I said to the staff, I remember chatting the Monday before I went, like, I'm just actually dreading it. Like, I'm dreading sitting down. It's August, it's a year almost, and people saying, well, where are you going? What's it going to look like? And just having these awkward conversations and just saying, well, God hasn't spoken yet. It's so much awkward, it's boring. <laughs> no, they were, you just have to say the same thing. Were, Not oh. sure, don't know. <laughs> and then you were feeling in prayer while I was away. Yeah, I had this an image of us being in the woods. We weren't lost, but we were needing to find a path. And somebody coming to tell us directly which path to be on or where, you know, where to go. And I was, you know, thinking of all the people that we'd met. And I was like, I wonder if it's them. I wonder if it's them. And then I had like this sense that it was just somebody completely unconnected to our story. Um, and like, it, almost like an angel kind of feel that it will, you'd be there and, and then the person's gone. And so that morning at about, I think it was the Wednesday morning, about 7 o'clock, they had a prayer meeting for us. Like they were meant to pray for us the night before. There's about six of us in advance that are planting in the next while. And we got into a room and about 20 people got around us and just were, I was actually there, Kate wasn't there, and just praying. And at the end of that time, a guy that I'd never met, I don't know his name, um, he's an elder in one of the churches. I did check him out just to see that he's credible. Um, just came up and said, like, I, 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 um, God's used me in the prophetic before but I'm really nervous to share about, I said, I don't share about where people should go, and I don't share about pe- who people should marry. That's what he said. It was, it's, a, it's a good kind of prophetic line, right? Um, and then he said, but I feel like God's told me an exact city for you guys to go. And no one knows that we're praying into these three cities. So I literally, in my kind of low expectation, I just said, well, we're praying for three cities in the whole of the UK, which I've subsequently found out is just England and Wales is over a thousand cities and large towns. So your, your odds are not strong, right? Of being the right, the right city. Um, and he just says, Bristol. I just feel like God is calling you to Bristol. And I was just floored. 
I just I missed the next session. I went to our room and immediately, just so you're aware when you're going through this process, immediately I thought, ah, I wonder who told him. <laughs> right? We ask and we pray and we cry out to God to speak to us. And then God speaks in the most clear, most abundant way. And our first response is, ah, you know, awful. And then I just went and I just went, walked by the river and I just began to pray. And I just felt this just God just beginning to stir. This is me. This is me. This is me. Phoned Kate, excited but nervous and scared. I hadn't, we never been to Bristol. I don't know Bristol. You're on the Google, you know, <laughs> what's, what's happening in Bristol? You know, what is Bristol? And I came back and um, just God in his beautiful sovereignty, the, the guy that was in Cardiff who we love and had been journeying with and that felt like the obvious place to go. I phoned him and I said, listen, Owen, this is what's happened. And there's a prophetic word. We're going to fly over. We're going to go to Bristol. We're going to check it out. I don't know what's going to happen. And he said, Paul, that's so interesting. He said, two weeks ago, I had a dream, but I didn't feel released to tell you. He said, I had a dream. I wrote it down on the morning afterwards. And he sent me what he wrote. And in his dream, he said, last night, I walked with the Houghton children. He doesn't know them. I walked with the Houghton children around various cities in the UK. And it felt like God said there were lots of options. Remember my GPS picture? Lots of ways to take them. And he said, one of the cities that I walked you through was the city of Bath, which is right next to Bristol. These cities are like, they're going to be connected eventually as they keep, as they keep going. So that, I, that's the only one he wrote down. So the only one I remember was there, that area, is where I walked your kids around. Isn't God amazing? Isn't God just so, so wonderful? I, I, I went to visit my gran and my sisters in KZN straight after this conference or around this time. And I remember just driving this three hours from the airport to um, Underberg. And I just sat in the car and I just began to realize like how Kate and I had been on these different pages, like the biggest angst of, like, of being like, God, but we both feel like we're hearing you. And I'm feeling like something to like minister into South Wales. Kate's feeling like England. And we're trying to reconcile this thing and we're trying to be like before God as best we can. And then suddenly God answers it in the city of Bristol, which is literally, you guys, you literally get on the bridge and you're in Wales, South Wales where I'm feeling like this stuff in my heart stirring to want to minister there. Like you couldn't be any closer. And suddenly we just begin to see the genius of God as so many of these things that we've been praying and feeling like they're different, suddenly God begins to say, oh, they all actually are answered. And I can't go into the detail of that, but they really, they really are just incredibly um, answered. And so we shorthand flew to Bristol and just felt this is home. This is where God wants us. This is the church. These are the people. This is the site. This is where we want to um, go. This is where it feels like God has called us. So one more um, thing that we want to share. The last one, the last learning is just trust God for the future. That's where we are right now. Um, Sabella, you're around somewhere. Would you mind calling Esther and Daniel for me? Thank you so much. Our kids are going to just come and share a, a tiny bit of just the experience of this as well. But we had someone brought a picture for us somewhere quite early in the process of a runner with a, in a marathon. And you know you get the guy who's got the timekeeper and he's running with the time and you, if you want to finish on that time, you run next to him. And he's just had a picture of God um, being that guy with the timekeeper and running in our journey with us and then having to grab us and pull us back because we were going too quick and then sometimes having to put his hand behind our back and push us forward because we were going too slow. And that's been, like when we speak about trusting God for the future, that picture for us has been the picture that's, that's been the most helpful. It's just we've so many times in this process just felt like we've run ahead of God. And then as you pray, you just feel God going, no, 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 that's not for now. Come back. Slow down. Yeah, slow down. 
And then sometimes it's felt like God's needed to um, speed us up. But I'm going to close out this trust God with the outcome. There's so much coming up for us. Practical realities. They, they're crazy. I wish I could tell you some of the details. But just work, house, new country, new culture, all these things. Some of you in the room have done this, guys. We're not all South Africans here. Some of you guys, the Hardings, think of you guys, the Kearns, Mozambique, South Africa, all over the place. Hello, You've Hardings. Moved, <laughs> moved your families, done this thing all, already, and it's, that's what's ahead of us. And so Hebrews, this week I read Hebrews 11 verse 8, again about Abraham, and it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land which God had given as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and then this part really hit me. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And it's just like, oh God. It's not, it's not, you don't reach the end of faith. Abraham got there, and then he still had to have faith. And he still had to trust God. And that just feels like our story. And there's a, a quote that Ali sent me from, I think it's from her, her in-laws, I think you said Al. Um, God delights to take responsibility for our acts of obedience. Isn't that beautiful? God takes responsibility. When he asks us to be obedient, then it's on God to worry about the rental price in Bristol. Then it's on God to worry about friendships for our children and schools and these things. Then it's on God. All we can do, it's Christianity 101, all we can do is just listen, obey. Listen, obey. That's it from me. Um, okay, two final thoughts from me then. Um, is, is building on what Paul just said. Um, essentially, when it all becomes too much, because I do like to help God with worrying, um, and, but when that becomes too much and I find my knees are weakening and my breath is shortening, um, the thing that, that stops me and, and pulls me back is to remember that I am only responsible for my obedience. I'm, I'm responsible for nothing else. And he will take care of that. And so, it, you know, that's, it's simple, but, but very, very difficult. But it is at least simple. Um, and then an encouragement in this. So obviously, it's not all the ends are tied. And, um, but, and with the difference of, you know, where we should go and, and how we should do it and, and agonizing in that, you know, am I faithless? Am I um, not submitting my will, uh, will to God? Am I not laying my life down? Am I not submitting to Paul? All of these, th all of these questions. Um, in, in the mess of that, to, to stand back and remember that God has created me for his purposes. So he, he's created me um, for his purposes. Therefore, if I look inside at, at what he's generally, genuinely given me, um, it, my calling will, will tend to lie along those lines. So that's encouragement to, to know that whatever God is calling you to, it will align with how he's created you. If he's made you an artist, he's unlikely to call you um, I don't know, to NASA or something. I'm sure they need artists too. Everyone needs artists. Um, but yeah, I mean, take that and, and, and let God use that for you because I think sometimes there's a lot of pressure to conform to the whole cookie cutter because it's nice and easy. Well, Indeed. So it feels like a little bit of spaghetti on the plate this morning. We're all over the place trying to tell you our story, trying to encourage you, trying to get it out the best way we can. It's nebulous things, it's hard things, but hopefully... In all of that, God feeds you. God encourages you, whatever journey you're on. Um, our kids are going to just get interviewed quickly by um, Seh. It's going to come and just do a quick interview with them. If you do need to go, please feel free. We know it's a little bit late, and um, yeah, you could have anticipated that. 
um, with me being up here. But we just would love to give them a little bit of space to just share what God's been doing in their hearts. Thank you, One Hope. It's your moment to preach, Dan. Um, I just want to say something quickly because my heart, I was sitting there knowing, obviously, we know we were going to do this, but my heart's like beating out of my, my chest, um, and that doesn't usually happen, um, and it usually means that I'm missing something that God maybe just wants to say. So um, just before we start, I really just feel um, that just this little part here is really speaking to the young people in our church, whether you're a student or you're youth. Um, you're not too young for God to be calling you to something specific. Like, um, just as these Hudson kids are called with their parents, it doesn't actually matter what age you are. Um, God might be wanting to use this moment to say something um, to you specifically about your calling and purpose. Um, yeah, it doesn't need to to come from your parents first. So anyway, just to preface that. Um, okay, so we've rehearsed this. <clears throat> we know what we're going to say. <laughs> um, so who is your favorite babysitter? <laughs> Auntie Sarah and Uncle Petey, without a doubt. <laughs> Auntie Sarah and Uncle Petey. Auntie Rebecca. <laughs> Daniel minus points. Um, <laughs> Okay, another, another fun question. Do you, when you get an ice cream, do you bite the ice cream like an absolute caveman or do you lick it how you're supposed to? <laughs> I had um, braces for like three years, so literal metal on my teeth, so biting is not an option. Um, if it's like been in the freezer for ages or if it's like a magnum, then I, you sort of, you're left with no choice, you have to bite it. But if it's been out for a while, then, then you should lick it. If you bite it, you always get a brain freeze. You have to lick it. It's just, it's, there's no choice. Words of wisdom from the Hudson's. <laughs> cool guys. Um, but yeah, just thinking about the last few months and how you guys have journeyed as a family with what God is calling you to and, and just realizing that it's not just your mom and dad, right? It's you. God has called you as individuals um, for a specific purpose to where you're going. And that's just so beautiful. But it also means that it's incredibly personal um, because, yeah, you're not just following along. God is speaking to you. So through this process, um, what have been your guys' um, big fear or biggest fears? And through that, have you learned anything about who God is? Um, yeah. Does that make sense? So um, I fear what I don't know and what I can't control. So I've really had to wrestle with God and surrender my future to him um, and it's like simple things like, well, what, I'm going to choose at A-level, but it feels so big. And I think that I found deep encouragement in zooming out 
And knowing that this isn't about me, there are thousands of stories that God is weaving together for his big plan. And so he's got me and he's got my family and he has something good for us. I feel that um, I haven't had, I've had probably the least fear out of everyone, like the whole family. Um, <laughs> no, it's not like that. Um, I have not feared anything and that is what I've learned from God. He's just, he wouldn't have us like be terrified because then we wouldn't be able to achieve anything. So I have, yeah, I've not feared very much. Probably making friends, but he, I feel like he's really answered that prayer already. It's like he's promised me I'm going to make friends. And that prayer was really answered when we went to Bristol. And I found some people that I really liked and that I can really trust. And that's awesome, guys, sure. And if, they, if you had to kind of sum that in, in what, what has it told you about God? So if you had to say, you know, this is what I've learned about him or this is who um, I've realized he is, how, how would you say that just in like a sentence? God is in control. God is always with us. Like God keeps his promises. Yo, you guys should definitely preach. <laughs> awesome. Give it up for the heads and kids. Thanks so much, Sears. Thanks, Paul and Kate and the hosts and kids. Yo, what a, whew, next week's going to be a challenging one. Um, but yeah, just love you guys. Thank you so much.